Bretto, after eight years of wellness summits, the 2021 Wellness Summit on Saturday, June 26th will be our last one. Last ever Wellness Summit. And this is not like the last, last ever Wellness Summit. This one actually will be the last ever Wellness Summit, Marcus Pierce. <laughs> not a John Farnham last ever. <laughs> not a John Farnham. This is it. This is going to be it. It's going to be massive. It is the last one after eight years, after nine summits. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a great opportunity to say farewell, to say thanks, to celebrate what has been an amazing wellness summit. But I think more importantly, a great time and a great opportunity to deliver some wonderful health and wellness content to the world at a time when I think they absolutely need it most. Saturday, June 26th, purely digital event. There are no borders. Wherever you are in the world, you can join your favorite wellness couch presenters, Kim Morrison, Brett Hill, Jason Witten, Bridget Wood from Nourishing the Mother, Paul Thompson, Andrea Huddleston from Wellness Women Radio, Joe Witten, Cindy O'Meara, the entire Wellness Couch team. We cannot wait to join you. And Marcus Pierce. Marcus Marcus Pierce, Pierce. that guy, that guy. June 26th, it's all day Saturday. It's one big wellness fest, 97 bucks. brought to you by Positive Mentor. Tickets and details at thewellnesssummit.com. Today, I'm going to answer some questions about activating nuts and seeds. Now, um, I've had quite a few people write in and ask questions on this topic, so I've got them all here on my laptop, and I'm going to try and answer them all. Um, So if I miss anything, let me know in the comments and I can, or in an email, um, and I'll try and answer you, but hopefully we'll cover it all today. All right. So first of all, what is activating? Okay, nuts and seeds, as you know, are the productive parts of plants. They're what grows a new plant. And so within that nut or seed or even in legumes, um, there's contained chemical compounds called anti-nutrients. So things like phenols, phytic acid, lectins and oxalates, those are within the nuts and seeds and when they're swallowed, It helps them to survive the journey through an animal's digestive system without being damaged. Now, obviously, we don't swallow our nuts and seeds whole. We chew them up. So this means that when we do that, those anti-nutrients go into our digestive system and they block the absorption of minerals. So calcium, magnesium, iron, zinc, these can all be blocked and inhibited Um, by those anti-nutrients in the nuts and seeds. So for someone with a healthy gut who just has, you know, some nuts and seeds in baking now and then and they're not really um, struggling with any gut issues or digestive issues, it shouldn't be a problem to have raw nuts and seeds most of the time or roasted. Roasted nuts and seeds actually are a little bit easier to digest if they're roasted or made into nut butters so they're ground at a high speed and they warm up. That does reduce the anti-nutrients. Any kind of cooking or roasting will reduce the anti-nutrients. The raw nuts and seeds are the ones that are the hardest to digest. So, yeah, so if you have got gut issues, it'll be harder for you to digest them than for someone who's got a really healthy gut. 
when we first started doing the GAPS diet and we were working on healing the gut, we made sure we soaked and activated all the nuts and seeds and we were really careful about it. Once we'd been through that diet for a couple of years and really worked on the health of our gut, we, we sort of tapered off with all the soaking and activating and we do it sometimes and other times we'll roast them and other times we'll even have them raw and we don't seem to um, have any issues with that. But it really will depend on where you are at with your gut health. So I really recommend for those of you working on healing the gut that you do soak activate, ferment your nuts and seeds and legumes um, and be really careful about the amount you eat. But as you heal, you should be able to reduce the amount of work you have to put into all of that. And I know that that's the problem for most people. They just find it so much work. So let's try and simplify it today. And, you know, just remember that even in traditional cultures throughout thousands of years, we can go and look at the way that they prepared nuts and seeds and grains and we can see that there was some sort of soaking and sprouting for most of them. Um, and especially in our own Australian Indigenous um, people, we see that they have really, you know, important instructions for preparing a lot of the grains and seeds and nuts that they use in their traditional diet because they are so high in anti-nutrients. For instance, the cycad nut. Um, which they soak for five days, they crush, and then they soak it in mesh bags for five days in a running stream. Um, and then they make the, um, like make the paste into a, a dough and um, make bread with that and it's fermented. So that if you didn't do that, you would get very sick. So it's really fascinating to look at how traditional cultures prepare their food and to learn from that because it's been a lot of trial and error over thousands of years and um, we need to learn from other people's trial and error. But yeah, having said that, I don't soak, activate, ferment all the time now. I did when I was working really specifically on gut health. Okay, so um, let's just define soaking, fermenting and activating first. Uh, soaking when you soak nuts and seeds, you're basically covering them with warm, salty water, leaving them for a few hours or overnight, and then you rinse them and drain them. Um, and then you can use them wet in smoothies, some baking recipes, um, anything where the, where the mixture doesn't have to have that dry meal. So smoothies and nut milks and seed milks, you just soak them and then use them. You don't need to dehydrate them unless you're trying to preserve them for a fair while. If you're going to use them straight away, you can. Um, so the salt, the reason for the salt in the water, it helps activate the enzymes that neutralize the enzyme inhibitors or the anti-nutrients. So you can, um, once you rinse it off, they don't taste really salty and it actually also takes away any bitterness. So if you have pecans or walnuts that are a little bit bitter, it will take that away. Okay, so use that method for nut and seed milk smoothies, dairy-free sour cream, or any recipes where the nuts don't need to be dehydrated. If you want to make a nut butter, you cannot use soaked nuts that haven't been dehydrated. We'll go into that in a minute. Okay, fermenting nuts and seeds when they're fermented, are soaked in warm water with an acidic medium. So 
whey, kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut juice, 24-hour yogurt. Um, these are added to the water to help the nuts or seeds ferment. And this really efficiently breaks down anti-nutrients. For people who are most sensitive, this is the method you would use. You want to ferment them um, so that it really breaks down those anti-nutrients. So people on early stages of gaps need to ferment nuts and seeds. And then you would dehydrate them after you fermented them if you want to use them in baking or in um, nut butters and things like that. Okay, so that's for people with a really sensitive digestive system. Activating means you take the seeds that have been soaked or fermented, so the activation process has begun, but then you dehydrate them until they're really dry and crisp. So you need to make sure that they are dry all the way through to the middle, crack them open and check, make sure they're crispy inside and kind of got that roasted texture, but they'll be still white or you know, they won't be browned like when they're roasted, but they'll still be just as crisp. Um, this method helps to preserve them so that they've, they've had the anti-nutrients reduced and then you dry them to keep them from going off and from going moldy. So then they're suitable for long-term storage. So you can keep them in the pantry in jars or you can pop them into the freezer in freezer bags just to um, keep them for longer. But most people will find that if they're in a sealed jar in the pantry, they'll last for months. Okay, so if you want to mill your nuts and seeds for flour for, or for meal, for baking, or you want to make nut butters, you've got to make sure they're dried completely. If you have ever tried to make nut butter with almonds that you've soaked and dried out but they weren't completely dry or maybe you forgot to, you didn't understand and you didn't realize you had to dry them, if you've ever tried to make nut butter with them, you'll know that it just goes into a cloggy mess and it doesn't become oily and smooth. It'll just be clumpy and it doesn't work. So it's got to be completely dried out before you can mill them for meals or for butters. Um, and then you can also eat them as snacks on their own. And yeah, they're just really delicious. One of my absolute favorite is pecans that have been um, soaked and dehydrated because they go kind of sweet. Um, when you add the salt, they do go a bit salty, but they don't have that bitterness. So you can either use the whey or the um, kefir um, to soak them and then dehydrate them and they'll be a bit sweeter. Or if you use the salt, then they'll have that salty taste. But yeah, they're so delicious. Okay, my first question here is, are some nuts harder on your digestive system than others? And yes, um, almonds are the top of the list for high anti-nutrients. The anti-nutrients in, in nuts, especially almonds, are concentrated in the skin. And that's why if I'm not going to activate my own nuts, I'll make sure that I use blanched almond meal for cooking because the skins have been removed and most of the anti-nutrients are in the skin. So with blanched almonds, the skin's removed and then they grind that up into an almond meal. They're not soaked. Blanched almond meal is not soaked when you buy it from the store. That's the white almond meal that you just see in any supermarket it just says almond meal, but if it's white and doesn't have the skins, um, generally that's just the skins have been removed and then it's been ground up 
and then you get that really fine almond meal, which is so great for baking. In America, they call that almond flour. So I know that gets confusing for us here in Australia because we see an American recipe and we go, what's almond flour? Or you may see like Bob, Bob's Red Mill almond flour. That's basically just almond meal. But we call it blanched almond meal. They call it almond flour. So the white almond meal is great for your baking. If you don't have any major gut issues, that will be fine. Um, but if you want to use whole almonds, for instance, if you've bought a big bulk box of 12 kilos of raw insecticide-free almonds, which is what I generally do, um, then you may want to soak and activate them, grind them up and use that in your baking. When you're using blanched almond meal, it's a little bit different in baking compared to activated whole almond meal because the, the activated almond meal is drier. So you need less. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so almonds are definitely harder on the gut if they're whole almonds with the skin. If they're blanched almonds, they're not as bad. Macadamias have really low anti-nutrients because they've got that big hard shell. So just remember the anti-nutrients are to protect the nuts and seeds against pests. So when you think of it like that, you go, okay, if it's got a really hard shell, then that's protecting it, protecting it against pests. And so the inside won't need as high a level of anti-nutrients. Almond, almonds are protected by the skin. Hazelnuts are protected by the skin and a hard shell. So they have less anti-nutrients than almonds. Um, but yeah, they're all different. So you'll see in the table that I've put below, there's different soaking and activating times for different nuts and seeds because some have a higher level of anti-nutrients than others. Macadamias, I never really bother soaking, but if you are in really early stages of healing the gut, you would still want to ferment them and dehydrate them. It's just for, for everyday regular, you know, health. Um, if you don't have any gut issues, then you probably wouldn't really need to worry about soaking macadamias. Roasting nuts and seeds does reduce the anti-nutrients. Like I said, any kind of cooking will reduce anti-nutrients and will make them a bit easier to digest. So let's just go through this in um, levels. So for those with a really sensitive digestive system that are working on healing the gut, fermenting and then dehydrating if needed, is what you need to do with your nuts and seeds. Next level would be activating. So that's the, so the fermenting is with the acidic medium in water. Activating is with the salt in the water and then dehydrating. And then for those of you who are really not struggling with your gut health, you can roast your nuts and seeds or have them raw now and then, or you could soak them now and then depending on the recipe. So there's a bit more flexibility in that way. hope that is understandable. Okay, someone asked, should you activate seeds? That's probably answered now. Um, seeds do have anti-nutrients as well, but it just depends how um, sensitive your gut is. Okay, so do nuts need to be in a single layer when they're dehydrating? Yes, you need to spread them out so that the air can get around them and you can completely dry them out. Don't pack them too, um, too much on a tray. I'm going to explain to you about 
the difference between dehydrating in a dehydrator and in an oven. You can do it either way. It's just a lot easier in a dehydrator because you've got heaps and heaps of trays and you can do a lot at once, whereas in an oven you can really only do about three trays at a time and it, and it uses your oven for a very long time. So if you're going to be working on healing the gut and you know that you're going to need a lot of activated nuts and seeds, I would invest in a dehydrator when you can. Um, and, yeah, it's just very handy. But if you think you're only going to do it now and then, the oven's fine. Okay, so how to avoid getting them going moldy? You need to make sure that you dehydrate them really, really well. So whether you're using an oven or a dehydrator, um, it'll take like 24 hours on about, um, in a dehydrator, it's 52 degrees, I think, to 60, something like that. In an oven, you can use, um, if you can get it below 100, that's best. If you can't, some people put on like a pilot light in the oven and just leave them in there. Um, on So it's a really low heat. It's like 50 or 60 degrees with a pilot light. But, yeah, you can do it at 100 degrees if you have to. You're just going to have to keep a close eye on it and turn them and um, stir them until they're completely dry. But once once they're done, crack a few open to make sure they're completely dry inside so that you don't get that moldy you don't want them to go moldy. That would be very sad. And another thing that you've also got to do is cool them on the trays before you put them in the jars or the reusable freezer bags because you don't want to um, have moisture in that jar or bag because then they can go moldy again. Okay, so um, blanching. Someone asked how to blanch almonds. Basically, you pour boiling water over the almonds, leave them for five minutes, and then you can pop the skins off with your fingers um, and then you would lay the almonds out on towels in the sun or in a sunny spot inside till they're dry or put them in the oven with um, just the pilot light on somewhere that's just very low temperature. You don't want it to be, sorry, very low heat. You don't want it to be cooking them. Um, just dry them out a bit and then you can grind them up for your almond meal. But otherwise, it's very easy to just buy blanched almond meal in bulk and keep it in your freezer. Is soaking overnight considered activated without dehydrating? Okay, so technically yes, because when you soak or ferment um, the nuts and seeds, you get the, the enzyme inhibitors are starting to break down and the enzymes that help you digest the nuts and seeds are starting to kick in. So that's technically activating, but the term activating is used for um, nuts and seeds that are soaked and then dehydrated. If they're just soaked, they just call them soaked. So in a recipe, if you see it says to soak the nuts and seeds, but it doesn't say to dehydrate them, then that's all you do. If it says to activate the nuts and seeds, then you need to soak and dehydrate. Okay, so hopefully that's understandable. Do I need to dehydrate them to make milk out of them? No. So like I said at the start, you can just soak, for instance, cashews, soak them six hours, rinse them off, um, add the water to the Thermomix or blender and just blend them up until it's really smooth and then you can strain it. Or sometimes if I'm cooking with it, I leave the pulp in because it just helps to thicken the, the um, sauce or whatever I'm making. 
but I strain it if it's for cuppers or something like that. Um, what do you do with the pulp when you strain it out of the nut milk? Squeeze it out really well with a nut milk bag. I'll show you what they look like in a minute. And then you can use, you can, what I generally do is freeze them, freeze the pulp in um, reusable freezer bags until I have enough to dehydrate. And I'll just pop it onto the trays and spread it out and um, just dehydrate that until it's nice and dry and then blend it in the Thermomix to make it fine. And then you can use that like coconut flour. So it's more fibrous and less oily than a meal because it's had the, it's had all the, you know, the fat taken out of it as you squeeze out the liquid. So you don't really use it exactly the same way as, uh, say, blanched almond meal in a recipe. You use it more like you use coconut flour because it's really dry and it sucks up the moisture. So it's a little bit of a pain to um, use if you're not used to it. You just sort of have to just use recipes that are for banana flour or coconut flour um, once you've dehydrated the pulp. If you've got the wet pulp and you want to use that in baking, there is a recipe in my first cookbook, Quirky Cooking, for a chocolate cake that uses the wet pulp. Um, some recipes will work with the wet pulp and you just reduce the liquid in the recipe but it's a bit of trial and error. There are recipes online, though. If you search um, recipe for pulp from almond milk or whatever, you'll find recipes. I know Alex Stewart from Low Tox Living has some, Low Tox Life. Um, she has some on her website. Okay, can you activate nut meal or does it have to be whole nuts? You can activate nut meal. You can ferment or activate any kind of meal as well as whole nuts. Um, so basically you cover the nut meal with water and put in your acidic medium or salt. I do, I usually, for um, meals, I usually do an acidic medium. So a bit of yogurt, um, a bit of whey, a bit of kefir, and then soak that until that's fermented. It'll go a little bit bubbly and smell a little bit sour. And then you can strain off the liquid, but you don't rinse it. So when you are activating or soaking or fermenting a meal, just that acidic medium being in the water with the meal will reduce the enzyme, uh, the, will reduce the anti-nutrients in the meal. You don't need to rinse them off. It basically degrades them. So you don't need to rinse it. So you can just squeeze that out and then use that um, in baking or dehydrate it. I've got some recipes on my website from years ago where I used to experiment with this a lot. And one of them is the blender batter muffins. It's really delicious. And you can use just about any grain, seed, nut in that recipe. You grind up the meals or you use what you've got in the pantry and you soak it and then you blend in the eggs and the baking powder or bicarb and um, honey and things like that the next day and add some fruit and you've got these beautiful muffins. I also make um, blender batter waffles and pancakes the same way. So you don't strain off that liquid, you just leave it in there. Okay, I'll put the links to those below. Okay, and then one more question which is kind of related and I thought I'll just pop it in as well. Um, someone said, I'm scared to eat fermented foods in case they've gone off and I don't know. You will know. 
if you have ever smelt sauerkraut that's gone off, that went moldy, or if you've ever smelt um, any any kind of fermented food when it goes off, it smells so bad that you would honestly vomit if you tried to eat it. So don't even worry about that. Um, you will know if it's when you smell it, it should smell. Of course, sauerkraut has that cabbagey smell, but it should smell good. If you if you feel like it smells disgusting, don't eat it. Okay, that's your body's natural sense to know if food is safe or not. If it doesn't smell good, then don't eat it. If you're not sure, find someone who lives near you or a friend who's done a bit of fermenting before and get them to check it and say, does this smell right to you? Does this look right? And you'll soon understand what you're looking for. Um, if it's got a layer of a little layer of fuzzy white mold on top of your sauerkraut, for instance, you can scoop out that top layer and take it out, check what it's like underneath, see if it smells okay, and then it should be fine. You know how you put the, um, for instance, you put the, uh, what's the word, cabbage leaves on top of your kraut and press them down with your weights? Those cabbage leaves will get discolored and look awful and sometimes they'll have calm yeast or even a little bit of mold on top of them, but when you remove them, underneath is completely fine. So if you're not sure, put a um, photo in the Quirky Cooking Chat group or the Quirky Gaps group or the Gut Health groups that I run um, if you're in one of those and people will answer you and give you help, people that are quite experienced with um, fermenting. So, yeah, but honestly, if it's off, you'll know it and you won't want to eat it. Okay, um, it's like it's like anything. I know with nuts and seeds and legumes, you can soak them um, in a really warm climate and they really kind of ferment a lot quicker. If you see that the water's getting bubbly and, it, and, you, and you're worried that it smells a tiny bit funny, rinse them off replace the water, add some more salt and keep soaking until the time is up. Um, but yeah, it's, it is hard in really hot climates to, to know sometimes. So if in doubt, just go a bit under the time and rinse it really well. But if it stinks and it smells awful, chuck it out and start again. And that's why you've got to keep an eye on these things as you go. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful. And let me just show you now what it actually looks like. Okay, so I've got a few different things here that I want to show you. We'll start with almonds because I think that's probably the most common one that people will soak um, because that's the one that needs the most soaking. So here I've got four cups of almonds. For each one cup, you need one teaspoon of salt. So that's easy to remember. So I need four teaspoons of salt. I'm just using some um, sea salt. You can use any kind of salt really, um, just a good quality one, not just a table salt. And I'm not really pedantic with my measuring, as you can tell, and generally I don't even use a spoon. I grab it with my fingers and just pop it in. Okay, so we need four teaspoons of salt, which is one tablespoon if you're in Australia. Um, and water, we need 250 mils per cup of almonds. So one cup of water, one teaspoon of salt, one cup of almonds. Easy to remember. So here I've got four cups of water and you can use glass or stainless steel bowls, that doesn't matter. Stir it around 
and then that's going to need to that's going to need to soak for twenty four uh, for sorry for up to eighteen hours for um, almonds. If you're fermenting, you would actually go longer, um, but for soaking with salt water, about eighteen hours is enough. If it's a really cool climate, then you could go twenty four hours um, if you want to. So generally, what I do is just pop a plate on top and just set that aside on the bench. And I like to do quite a few in one go so that I can completely fill up the dehydrator. But I'm going to show you cashews now. Same amount of water and salt as for almonds. So one cup of cashews, one teaspoon of salt, and one cup of water. So I've got four here. And you do want to use filtered water. Stir that around. Now cashews you only soak up to six hours. These are already cooked um, because if they didn't cook them then they would be poisonous. So you really don't need a lot of soaking time. They say one to six hours. I usually do six hours if I can. If I'm in a rush, I will put warm water over and soak for less time. Put that one aside. And we've got four cups of sunflower seeds. Now sunflower seeds and pepitas, which are pumpkin seeds, they need two teaspoons of salt per cup of water. So that's a bit more salt for those. Um, so it's one cup of seeds, two teaspoons of salt, one cup of water. So I'll just prepare these ones. This is the salt that I'm using. You can buy this one in my online store. And this is my trusty tablespoon measure. Let's save a bit of time. So we need two tablespoons because we've got four cups. You get the hang of it after a while, but I have the table for the salt for soaking in. Might as well use that. Um, both of my cookbooks have tables for soaking nuts and seeds, and my new cookbook will as well. Um, but I have included that for you below. So if you are soaking a lot of nuts and seeds in one go, you're going to have to um, filter a lot of water. <laughs> but it does save time to do it this way. As you can see, I've um, got a few pepitas in there, but it doesn't matter because sunflower seeds and pepitas have the same ratio. Oops, some. Same ratio of salt and water, and the same amount of soaking time. So these only need to soak about seven to ten hours. So it doesn't take quite as long to do seeds, obviously, because they're smaller. I do often use um, like stock pots for this if I want to do a whole heap at once. These bowls are probably a bit shallow for this. Walnuts and pecans are the same, so you can do them together if you want to. I still like to keep them separate because I use them in different things. Um, I much prefer pecans, but I've run out, so I'm using walnuts. Um, they do work really good in cakes. They make a great light um, texture for baking. 
All right, so one cup of walnuts or pecans to half a teaspoon of salt and one cup of water, and that's seven to 12 hours like the seeds. So we only need two teaspoons of salt for the four cups of walnuts and then four cups of water. Okay, so there we go. I don't think I'll fit much more in my dehydrator, so I'll keep it at that. Okay, so there we go. I've got them all set out, ready to soak, um, with just a little note on each one telling me when to rinse them so I don't forget. Um, and I just pop plates on top and stack them up, and that does the job. I'll just explain to you what you do once they're ready to strain because I don't want to make this video go forever. Um, so you just strain them over the sink through a sieve or a colander. Um, if you are a Thermomix user, I use my Varoma to strain them because that sits on the sink nicely and um, you can just strain through that and you rinse under running water, stir your nuts and seeds around and rinse them really well, give them a shake and then layer them onto your dehydrator trays. Um, spread them out so almonds would be a single layer. Seeds may double up a bit, but that's okay. And you can just um, check them throughout the drying process once or twice and stir them if you need to. But I usually find um, on a dehydrator tray, they're getting the air through the bottom and the top, and so they dry really well. If you don't have a dehydrator, just use your oven trays. And I just use pizza trays. Spread them on a single layer, put them into your oven at 100 degrees or less, preferably 60 degrees if you can, um, and just stir them now and then. They will take less time to dehydrate than if you used a dehydrator. In a dehydrator, it's usually 12 to 24 hours for nuts. Um, so the lighter nuts like pecans and walnuts may only take 12 to 14 hours, but almonds may take 24 Seeds, it's usually only about 12 hours. And in a dehydrator, it's 50 to 65 degrees. If you can get your oven that low, that's great. If not, you can use a pilot light or you can just use 100 degrees and stir it now and then um, to make sure that they don't um, sort of stay wet in the middle. Once you finish drying them, leave them to cool down on the trays once they're completely cool, then you can pop them into your jars. So you can see here, I just keep this on my bench top and that's my dehydrated, activated almonds. And I'll just show you what they're like inside. So you can see they're very dry and crispy. And when you break them, they just crumble. Okay, that's what you want. Okay. I hope that was helpful. Um, if you have any more questions, feel free to email me at help at cooking.com.au or you can comment below this video on YouTube. Okay, bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.